Welcome to the Ark Church Podcast. On here, you'll find all of our Sunday and Wednesday messages, as well as classes and special services. If you would like more information about the Ark Church, visit us at thearkchurch.com or download our app available to all app stores. Our heart for you is that you would live for God, grow stronger, and make a difference. Enjoy. In the 1960s and 70s, television began to proliferate. Uh, for those of you, I'll go ahead and date myself. I do remember the wonderful day when we went from a black and white to a color television. And then we used to have those rabbit ears on top of the television set. Anybody remember those? Some of you are Googling right now. Rabbit ears, it's uh, those antennas. And usually usually the, the youngest child was the remote and they had to go work those antennas to hold them just right. Had tinfoil on top of them, tried to get... Man, we moved to the big leagues and we got one of those electronic antennas on top of the house. Man, we could pick up all three channels really, really well. In the 60s and 70s, the, uh, another thing began to proliferate and that was the infomercials. The infomercials, you might remember the infomercials. One of the most famous infomercials was the Ronco company who did the Chopamatic, the Vegematic, the Pocket Fisherman, and that rotisserie chicken thing. And the king of infomercials was Ron, Ron Popel. Ron Popel was famous for said it and forget it. There's some people there. And, and then his, and his other famous line was, but wait, there's more. So this message is entitled, but wait, there's more. After Easter, after Easter, and we celebrate such a great Easter. And for those of you who have come back after Easter, good to see you. And, uh, but there's more than just an Easter celebration. And we want to look at that this morning. What does more look like? When God said there's more, what's, what's more look like? We really were built for more. If you think about it, there's something in us that's designed, we just desire more. If you are a collector of something, if you ever noticed you can't just stop with one, you, you need more. And you're always looking for more. If you're, maybe you're not into material things, you like experiences. Well, you're always looking for the bigger experience. If you went, if you went to the Bahamas last year, maybe you wanna to go to somewhere more exotic this year. We're always looking for more in our possessions and our experiences. We look for more in productivity. Never notice with productivity, there's all these productivity hacks and different ways that you can improve and get more out of your time. And I'm not, I'm not in any way opposed to that. I, I, some of these are really good. My favorite productivity um, hack is this. And Jim Rohn said, he was a motivational speaker. I think, he's, I think he's not alive anymore, but he said this. He said, never start your day until you finish it on paper. And his basic idea was you get the most out of days that you plan. And if you stop and think about it, I, I don't know about you, but my worst days are days where I do not have a plan and I just kind of wander through my days. I like a plan. I like to know where I'm going. He said, plan it out on paper. That's a, that's a productivity hack. And nothing wrong with that. And then there's self-improvement. We want more out of our potential. If you look up self-improvement books on Amazon, over 60,000 references come up. 60,000. And if you start looking through the titles, they can be a little bit confusing. They're like, the one thing you need to do. Right next to that is the 65 success principles that you need to do. 
and somebody's math is off. And so it's, they're always giving us ideas. And some of those ideas, nothing, nothing wrong with some of them. Some of them are, are, are really, really good, but there's a desire in us to get more out of our potential. Marjorie was a, in her mid forties and had a heart attack, wound up in the hospital. And she's lying there in a quiet moment waiting to, to be operated on. She prays and she says, Lord, I'm, I'm just in my mid forties. I, I am, I am, I'm too young to die. Is it my time yet? The Lord spoke to her heart and said, no, Marjorie, it's not. You've got 43 more years left. So Marjorie said, oh, praise God, that's good. So she decided since she was in the hospital and she had 43 more years, she might as well get the most out of them. So she had a facelift and every other thing lifted that gravity had impacted. <laughs> she had liposuction. She had a tummy tuck. She, uh, she had her hair redone and changed the color. When she left that hospital a week later, she looked like a whole new woman. She's walking across the parking lot to go to, to get her ride and an ambulance hit her, killed her dead right on the spot. She gets to heaven and, and she, she goes to the throne room. She says, Father, I thought you said I had 43 years left. He looked at her and said, I am so sorry, Marjorie. We did not recognize you. <laughs> Theologically, there's no value at all in that. You do understand that but there is a desire in us for more. And here's the stuff, this is, this is built into us. You know, God desires more for us as well. John 10, 10 is a great verse that Jesus said. He's, he's contrasting himself with Satan. He said, the thief does not come except to steal, steal and to kill and to destroy. I have, I've come that they may have life and they may have it more abundantly. Jesus said, I've come that they might have life. We see the heart of God here. God sent Jesus that we could have life and have it more abundantly. That more abundantly, you read different translations. Some translation reads a rich and satisfying life. Some translation read a life that just over, it's to the full, it overflows. Well, we're thinking, great. But what does that really mean? Because if you, if you notice, there's this quest, or there's this hunger in us for life, and, and we keep looking for it, it's kind of like looking for life in all the wrong places. There's a, 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 a basketball player, if you follow basketball, Kevin Durant, one of the top scorers in the NBA, and they were talking to him after he won a championship, and he, was, he seemed agitated and irritated. He was trying to win another championship. He said, he said, when I won the championship, he said, I thought it would change things, and it didn't. People often talk about reaching achievements and not having it and not having it fill the hole that's in them. In the, in the Olympics, they talk about a post-Olympic depression that hits not just the participants, but also even the medal winners. That after they've geared for this their whole life and they even won a medal and it's not enough. And so there is something in us, psychologists call it the if-then perspective that if this happens, then I'll be happy. It starts young. If I can get the GI Joe with the bazooka training gun, then I'm gonna be happy. But it goes to if I can get in the right school, then I'll be happy. If I can, if I can have the right marriage partner, then I'm going to be happy. If I can get just the, the right job, then I'm going to be happy. If I can just make this much money, then I'm gonna be happy. Have you ever been there? I have been there with that one. 
oh Lord, if I could just make this much money, I would be so happy. And then you make that much money and you notice that your expenses rise to meet that amount of money. And you're like, Lord, I, I know I said to be happy with this, but I really could use this. And what happens is, and it is, it's, a, it's a human trait, it's a human tendency. What happens is we keep moving the goalpost. So in other words, we, we reach some level of success and it's not enough and we have to keep going. So what did Jesus mean when he said, I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly? What's he talking about? Well, after the resurrection, we don't get a lot of information about what Jesus did after the resurrection. He only stayed for about 40 days and then he ascended and went back to heaven. But John, the apostle John, writes and tells us of an encounter with Jesus. And in this, we begin to see a little bit more about what does abundant life really look like. Let's read the story here in John 21. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. And they said to him, we're going with you also. This was a group of disciples. They went out and immediately got into the boat. And that night they caught nothing. But when the morning had now come, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Then Jesus said to them, children, have you any food? They answered him, no. And he said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat and you'll find some. So they cast and now they were not able to draw it in because of the multitude of fish. Therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved. Now, just stop just for a second. That's how John refers to himself. John wrote his gospel 60 years after all the other gospels were written. But when John talks about himself, he's like, I'm the disciple who Jesus loved. Kind of like, I don't know about the rest of these guys, but he loved me. No, no. I, I think actually, if you stop thinking about it, that's actually a great way to refer to yourself. I'm the one who Jesus loves. But he goes on. He said, therefore, that disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. Now, when Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he had removed it and plunged into the sea. But the other disciples came in the little boat for they were not far from the land, but about 200 cubits dragging the net with fish. Just an interesting side note, John, when he writes, <laughs> it sounds like John has a little bit of annoyance with Peter because he's, he said, Peter had to put his clothes on. And uh, he said, and then he jumps in the water. He said, we were only about 100, basically he said 200, it's about 100 yards. We're only about 100 yards. So the rest of us had to drag the net in but Peter's swimming ahead. John's the one that writes and said when they ran to the tomb, John said, and he outran Peter and got there first. <laughs> John is also the one, you remember where Jesus was in the garden and a disciple pulled out the sword and cut off the guy's ear? It's John that says, it was Peter. <laughs> so you still see some of the humanity in John. He's like, oh, okay. But in this, it was a great story. And this is a story, I guess these guys didn't really know what to do. Jesus is raised from the dead. They didn't really know what they were, were going to do. And so Peter had been a commercial fisherman. He said, I'm going to go fishing. They said, we'll go with you. And that night they fished all night, caught nothing. That's, a, that's an unproductive night. They're throwing the net out, pulling it in. This is not kind of like, hey, we're just going to go throw a line in the water and chill. They're, they're working. They're actually trying to catch something. And you can make money with this. And so they're fishing, they catch nothing. Jesus shows up on the shore. Now this is something interesting about the resurrected Jesus. A couple of times 
when Jesus shows up, the people don't recognize him. And there's something about a resurrected body that, that may be really interesting, has the ability to change. Remember, Jesus also would show up in the middle of the room when the doors were closed. And so I think when we get a resurrected body, we're going to be real happy with it. Because if I can change the way I look, <laughs> babe, I'm going to make Brad Pitt look ugly. When I'm, when I'm, <laughs> I'll be like, mm, I'm looking good. But anyway, he showed up on the shore. They didn't recognize him. And he said, y'all catch anything? And basically they're like, no. He said, throw it on the other side. Well, they must have looked at each other and went, well, what have we got to lose? And they threw the net out. And when they caught so many fish, they couldn't even get the net in. And the, and the net wasn't breaking. It's interesting that right there, John said, that's the Lord. Why do he say it's the Lord? Because he's seen this before. He has seen net-breaking fish before. He has seen big catches. He has seen, listen, whenever Jesus showed up, blessings showed up. When Jesus showed up, sick people got healed. Dead people got raised. People got fed and there were leftovers. When Jesus shows up, when they threw that net out, it wasn't four skinny fish and a crab. It was a bunch of fish that they pulled in because, and they recognized because of the blessings, that's the Lord. Isn't it great that Jesus, when he's on the shore, he didn't chastise them for going fishing. He didn't sink their fishing boat. He blessed them abundantly. Because with those fish, you could turn those fish into money. You could sell them. That, that was an asset that they pulled in. But we see something in Peter that the fish, there was something more than the fish. When Peter knew it was the Lord, he got excited. He did, Peter didn't go, oh, okay, it's the Lord, that's good, that's good, but look at these fish. He said, Peter, it's the Lord. And Peter throws his coat on and jumps in. He was an all-in personality. He just jumped in the water. He, he's swimming. Why? Because his personal relationship with the Lord meant more than those fish. It meant more than the blessings. Was that a blessing? Yes. But the personal relationship meant more. Now, Jesus, if you read the story, I've, I've trimmed it for, uh, for time. But if you read the story, you find out that Jesus made them breakfast, which is very kind of him. And uh, he knew they'd been fishing all night. And uh, he was concerned even about their personal needs. He knew these guys would be hungry. He made breakfast. And then this is what happened. When they'd eaten breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? He said to him, yes, Lord, you know I love you. He said, tend my sheep. He said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. So huge blessing. He had this personal relationship with the Lord. And then Jesus asked him three times, do you love me? Three times. Now, people have speculated that because Peter denied him three times, that Jesus was giving him a chance to affirm his love three times. That may or may not be true. makes sense. But it's interesting that whenever the Lord repeats himself, there's a purpose. And he said, do you love me? And he didn't stop there. He didn't say, Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, Lord, you know I love you? Jesus didn't go, that's good. He gave him something to do. See, what he did with Peter was he enlarged the circle of Peter's life. 
He said, Peter, I want you to, to take care of my people. I want you to feed my lambs, my sheep. He's talk, Jesus is talking about his people. He said, I want you to do something for them. I want you to get involved with them. Do you love me, Peter? Yes. Well, good. That relationship with me, that's wonderful. Now I want you to do something for me. There was the blessing of the fish. There was the blessing of a relationship with the Lord. And then there was the directive to get involved and get involved with God's people for, for the Lord. What about the more for us? Actually, it follows the same pattern. The Lord desires that your life be blessed. I'm going to repeat that. The Lord desires your life to be blessed. And I'm not just talking about spiritual blessings. I'm talking about material blessings. In Matthew, Jesus says this, he's speaking. He said, you parents, if your children ask for a loaf of bread, do you give them a stone instead? Or if they ask for a fish, do you give them a snake? Of course not. So if you sinful people know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give good gifts to those who ask him? In other words, God is better than any parent, any earthly parent you're ever going to find. And if earthly parents know how to do good for their kids, how much more will our heavenly father know how to do good for those that ask him? He is a God who will bless you. Now, if you're sitting out there thinking, well, that's great, Alan, but how come I'm not blessed? Here, here, there's a key to this. One, you've got to give him something to bless. Number two, you have to be willing to listen to him and obey him. When they listened to Jesus and threw the net on the other side of the boats when they caught him, and they were fishing. They weren't sunbathing by the, by the lake. They were fishing. And so they were able to pull in fish. But I, man, I got good news for you. The Lord will help you and get involved with whatever you're doing. I, I've not always been a pastor. When I came out of college, I went into sales. And when I was, when I, then I went to Bible school and came back. And when I went to Bible school and came back, I, I, God was able to open up a job. We were at Lakewood Church. And Lakewood Church was built in the middle of a building project. And they were going to build a big building, not the one they're in now. But they were building a big building then. And Joy and I made a $5,000 pledge over and above our tithes. And we said, we're going we're to pledge this toward the building. And it was a one-year deal. And we, at 5,000, you say, well, that's not much. Well, it was in 1986. It was, and it was a lot if you didn't have it. And so it, we, just, we just decided we were going to step out and, and trust God in this area. Now, God had opened a wonderful door for me. And I got a job with a company I should have never gotten a job with. You know, God can open doors that nobody else can open for you. And he, gave, he got me a job with a company. And when they trained me in Dallas, I was selling checks and, and forms to banks, banks and savings and loans. And so they sent me to Dallas to train me. The guy I'm training with, he went, well, if you're going to make it in this job, he said, if you're going to be successful, you have to entertain a lot. Now, what he's talking about was taking people out to dinner, to bars, to strip clubs, to places like that. Joy was not keen on the strip club idea. She <laughs> did not think that was going to be a great idea. I agree. And in fact, I called her and I called one night from Dallas. I said, honey, I don't know if I can do this job. They want me to take people out. They want me to entertain them. They want me to go to bars and stuff. I've come out of that life. I'm not going back into it. And, and Joy said, well, she said, Alan, she said, it's the only job we got. Might as well give it a shot. I said, okay, we'll give it a shot. I tell you, I worked for that company for years. I had the lowest expenses on entertainment budget of any of their salesmen and I outsold most every one of them all the time because God can open doors. Now, 
If he knows how to fish, he knows how to sell. And here, man, here I was. And so we'll go back to that $5,000. We had $5,000 that we had no idea where that was going to come from. So my company decides to run a contest. Whoever sells the most of these forms that we had just started printing is going to win the contest. And so, man, I tried. I sold a few. I was, they would come out with a list of where you stood in the company. I was on the bottom, on the bottom. And all of a sudden, one week, I jumped to the top, like by a big amount. And I'm like, whoa. How did that happen? One of my banks, without me even knowing it, placed a huge order, a massive order for these forms, and it, went, it got credited to my account. It's not because I sold it, not because I even tried. I made some people mad because when it came down to it, I won that contest. And guess what first prize was? $5,000. Thank you very, very much. I was, we were happy. But here's the thing. You got to give God something to bless. If you're faithful with your tithes, if you begin to trust him in the area of giving and sowing, man, you're giving him something he can work with. Because, I, man, I got good news for you. God wants you blessed. Y'all got quiet. You still thinking? God wants you blessed. And just knowing that, when you, when you go out to face your day, to face things, it, it's, it's a whole different thing. He's not trying to sink your boat. He's trying to fill your boat. He wants you blessed. But you know what? But wait, there's more. <laughs> Earthly blessings are great, but the Lord said, don't focus on those. In fact, this is what he said in, in Luke. He said, then he said to them, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in, the, in an abundance of possessions. Now notice what he didn't say. Leave that up there for a second. He didn't say, y'all need to give up those abundance of possessions. Oh, did I make you mad? <laughs> Who's ever one of them things that, I don't like that verse. I'm going to take that one out. He said, it's not the possessions that's the problem, guys. It's the greed that's the problem. There's a lot of people that don't have anything, and they are greedy. And so he said, it's not the possessions. He said, just watch out. In other words, your heart can't be about the possessions. So the blessings, I believe God wants us blessed. I, we, Joy and I have seen it in our family. We have gone from not having enough to properly feed our family where God has blessed us where we can even help other families. But that's not where we stop. You don't stop and just go, I'm blessed. That's it. No, there's more. There's more. You say, well, where's the more? The more is in that we can have a relationship. Now, listen, you know that even from the natural. You, you know people who have all the stuff they could ever want. They are rich and their relationships are a mess and they're lonely and they're hurting. But listen, that's not God's plan. He wants you to have this stuff. This is not either or. Okay, you can have stuff or you can have a relationship. No, he wants you to have a relationship with him. Look what, look what Jesus said, John 17. He said, now this is eternal life. That's the same word Jesus used in John 10, 10 when he said, I want you to have life and have it more abundantly. This is life that they know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you've sent. Guys, this is where this becomes so much more than just a religious duty on Sunday. This is more than just I checked a box. This is we can have a relationship with our creator. That we actually can have a relationship with God where we can communicate with him. He can communicate with us. He can help us. He can guide us. He can show us things. He can strengthen us. He can save a marriage that did not look good 
and give us 40 years. He can do things like this. He's a God. Well, the, you're, the closer your relationship comes with him, man, I'll tell you something. It, it satisfies something on the inside of you. And you're like, man, the stuff is nice, but the relationship I have, he can put a peace in your soul that all the money and all the stuff can ever provide because he's good and he's your God and he's your father. And that's good. But wait, there's more. He wants to enlarge your circle. Look at this verse here. Paul is writing to the church at Philippi. He said, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also for the interest of others. Let this mind or this attitude be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So much of the time, our life is a small circle. It's just us. And maybe it's our family. Us four, no more. And it's easy to get that mentality. And Jesus is going, no, no, no. No, it's good that, that you have a relate. It's good that you have material goods and you can be blessed. It's good. Listen, it's good to have all your bills paid and have the ability to bless other people. That's a good thing. Amen. It's good to have a relationship where you're like, oh Lord, I love you. I love you and you love me and I appreciate that love. Lord, I love you. It's people I can't stand. No, that's not, no, 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 no. Because the Lord loves you, but the Lord also wants to use you to love other people and to show his love for other people. Listen, if God has done something good in your life, do you realize how much you can encourage somebody else? If, listen, Joy and I's marriage, the reason we, we, the reason we talk about how bad it was is because we want to encourage you. Because if God can help a bad marriage, he can turn it into a beautiful marriage. We, we, in 40 years, we went on a date. We went on a date and she re-upped for the next 40. I got this thing locked in. We're good to go. He can turn it from bad where she thought she, she honestly thought she was having to do penance for something she had done wrong by being married to me. That's not a good marriage. But God helped us and he turned it. And so we have, man, we have such encouragement for you guys. If you're hurting, we know that God can turn that thing. We also know if you're hurting financially, God can turn that thing. If you're hurting in your body and you've been sick, we know that God can heal. He can do so many wonderful things. But listen, he doesn't want us to just hold on to it and be good. Say, Lord, I'm God. I've got you, Lord. And it's you and me, Lord Jesus, and nobody else. No, he wants to expand your life. In Israel right now, there are two, two rivers, two, two, excuse me, one river, the Jordan River, and there's two seas, Sea of Galilee and the Dead Sea. Sea of Galilee is a beautiful sea. 25 different birds flock around there. There's fish all in the water. People come, they picnic, they, they vacation there. Sea of Galilee, teeming with life. But then the Dead Sea, the Jordan flows into the Dead Sea. In the Dead Sea, there's no life, there's no birds, there's no fish. It's barren. And the key difference, same Jordan River, but the key difference is the Sea of Galilee, the water flows in, but the water flows out. There's an outlet. There's a, an outlet. And so the sea, of, the sea of Galilee, it flows out. The Dead Sea, the water flows in and it stops. And all it can do is evaporate. It leaves a heavy mineral content. Dead Sea, that's not where you want to be. You want to be a Sea of Galilee where the water flows in. You say, well, Alan, you're just trying to recruit people to volunteer at the church. <laughs> Actually, I'm not. If all of you today decided you were going to volunteer at the church, we don't have room for all of you. 
We have room for a few more, but we don't have room for all of you. What I'm talking about is that we're willing to get involved and be a blessing to other people because we love the Lord. Say, Lord, you could do that on your job. You can do that in your neighborhood. You can do that wherever. Lord, what would you have me do for you? What would you have me do? If the Lord went and walked beside you and said, do you love me? And you go, yes, Lord, I, I love you. He's going to give you something to do. Then I want you to get involved in this area. So you're just, you just want me to work for the Lord. Yep, that's exactly. Because that's where the life is. I'm convinced a lot of Christians get bored. And they get bored because they're blessed. And they get bored because they have a relationship with the Lord. But there's more. There's more. And God wants you to be a blessing to other people as well. I'll tell you my Debbie story, then we'll quit. Joy and I were, had the singles at Lakewood Church a number of years ago. Actually, it was back in the 80s. And having the, the, the singles ministry, a girl, a lady came in. She was a lady. She came in, single mom. She came in in the ministry. Her name was Debbie. And Debbie was one of the saddest people we'd ever met. She couldn't look you in the eye. Every time she looked at you, she looked down. She cried all the time. When Joy and I would drive home, we would often talk about Debbie. And you just felt sorry for Debbie. But Debbie would take a bus every day. She'd come from an abusive, uh, she'd married an, a man who was abusive, who actually abandoned them. And Debbie and, and her boy Billy in Florida were living in a tent for a while. When she moved to Houston, she's taking the bus to Lakewood Church every Sunday, but she would come. And as Debbie began to come, Debbie began to, and we, we were under John Osteen, wonderful pastor, and she began to hear teaching. She began to hear teaching about that God could help you, that God can change your life, that God, he wanted bigger things for you, that he wanted you to have an abundant life. And Debbie began to listen. And the tears began to stop. And then Debbie got a vision that maybe she could do something more than just survive. And Debbie said this, she prayed. She said, Lord, if you'll get me a car, she said, I'll bring people to church. She didn't have the money for a car. She just asked the Lord for a car. You know that somebody walked up to Debbie, found out she was riding the bus, that somebody walked up to Debbie and handed her the keys to a car. It was paid for. It wasn't, it wasn't a pretty car, but if you've been riding the bus, any car is a pretty car. And she began to, she began to, to, to be able to drive to church and to drive to work. But she did exactly what she said she was gonna do. She found an apartment complex that had a lot of people who were, who were dealing with disabilities. And Debbie would go into this apartment complex and she would pick up people. She used to pick up this little blind girl named Rosemary. She picked up people that had kind of mental and physical challenges and she would bring them to church. We'd see Debbie pull up and just people pile out of her car. And you're looking at those people going, where did you find these people? But Debbie would bring them to church and Debbie continued to do that. And Debbie continued to blossom. And now when she looked at you, she could look you in the eye and she'd smile. She told the Lord, she said, I, I need a better job. And, and the Lord opened the door for her. She got a better job. Then she's, she's working and she, she said, Lord, I need a better job than this. My company, that check printing company I was working for, they were hiring customer service people. They needed people who could handle problems, people who could just stay calm, people who were good customer service. I recommended Debbie. They hired her. She became one of their top customer service reps. She moved over to a nice apartment 
When she moved in, she would go home in the afternoon and notice that there were a lot of kids that ran around the apartment complex. Both their parents worked. So Debbie opened up her apartment and began to invite all these kids in and just love on them and minister to them. She'd made such an impact on that apartment complex, they gave her a free apartment to use to bring all the kids in. And Debbie's life just continued to change. We lost contact, but I said, whatever happened to Debbie when we went back to Lakewood? They said, oh, she married this wonderful guy and they've got a ministry now where they go down and they work with homeless people and feed homeless people. And it's just, it's just, just a great guy. What a great story. But Debbie's life went from so small to realizing I can have a relationship with the Lord. He can bless me and then I can begin to expand my circle of life. There's a great verse I'm, I'm going to give you. I don't think this has made many, many uh, refrigerators, but it should. It's in 2 Corinthians. It said, and he, Jesus, died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Being blessed, that's great, but there's more. Having a relationship with the Lord, that's great, but there's more. Being a blessing for him, that's living. Would you bow your head for a moment? His heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Please, no one leaving or moving will be out of here in just a moment. But if you came and said, Alan, I don't have a relationship with the Lord, and I know that, and he knows that. Or maybe you're just not sure where you stand with him, but you want to be. Or maybe you're like I was. Man, I had a relationship with the Lord, and I got so far away from him, I wondered if he would even take me back. And the answer is a resounding yes. So this morning, we're going to say a prayer. We're not going to have you stand up. We're not going to have you come down to the front. That's not the purpose. The purpose is to help you connect. So it's heads are bowed, knives are closed. I am going to ask you to do one thing. If that's you I'm talking to, you say, Alan, I want to be sure of my relationship with the Lord, or I want to come back to him. Would you pray for me? I need you to shoot your hand up real quick, just across this, this auditorium right now. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks. His hands have gone up all over. Anybody else say, that's me. Would you pray for me? Thank you. You can put your hands down. We're going to pray. Now, if you didn't lift your hand and you're thinking, ah, I missed it. I missed my chance. No, you didn't. This is, a, this is a heart prayer. God sees hands. He sees hearts. So you can pray this prayer. We're going to lead you in it. You pray it out loud. We're going to pray it with you as a church family. If you're watching online, if you're by yourself, pray it out loud. If you're with other people, pray it quietly. But pray this with us. Say, dear God, I know mankind needs a savior. I know I can't save myself. Jesus, I believe you're the son of God. I believe he died on the cross for my sins. And God raised you from the dead. Right now, I confess you as my Lord, as my Savior, as the one who forgives me and restores me. Thank you, Jesus. My past is forgiven. I have a relationship with you. I'm a new creation in Christ because I've said yes to you. His heads are still bowed and eyes are closed. Father, thank you for those who have stepped out of spiritual darkness into spiritual light and for those who have come back home. We rejoice with them. And Father, we thank you that you have such purpose for us. Bigger circle, bigger purpose, bigger life, better life. Thank you for that. We give you all the praise. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. We hope this message has blessed you. We have services every single Sunday at 9 and 1030 and Wednesday nights at 7. We'd love to see you here. Have a great week.